to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game tea podcast my name is jp i'm peaches and i'm czar boys how you feeling today doing pretty good new week new you i i'm just i'm excited again to talk about the articles we got today because well they all apply to me really well i what can i say i'm a genius oh there's some really hype news oh i see so things are only fun to talk about when it's to you it's about you yeah, pretty much. I, I, I thought we all agreed on that. <laughs> oh, we were. I just wanted to hear it out loud so I knew for sure. <laughs> just so we knew for sure. All right. Who would like to take the itinerary for today? Czar, uh, how about you? All right, I can do that. So today on the podcast, we are talking about Ori developer throwing some shade, slightly less Mass Effect in Mass Effect, and Total War Warhammer 3 is coming in hot. And finally, some game releases. Jesus, Peaches, you weren't kidding. These are all things that you adore. Yes, sir. I. <laughs> and now that you're in charge of making the scripts, it's just like it was probably so hard to go. OK, well, this first article clearly has to go to Peaches <laughs> and Mass Effect. Well, Peaches could talk about that and Warhammer. Give it to Peaches. Why not? Just make this the Peaches show. <laughs> who needs co-hosts I, when i was when i was looking at uh, all these stories like i don't know these just felt like the uh most interesting ones to talk about compared to anything else going on because uh we're in a pretty slow time for video games right now a little bit yeah i mean like we hit the finish line with christmas time you know because we had the playstation 5 and the series x drop all the big games were rushing out now we're just kind of at that quiet time before the storm settles on up again yeah, it's, it'll pick up here soon, but these these were uh, some pretty cool articles, and, uh, you know, they just happen to be stuff that I'm also very interested in for all three. All right, well, then I'm sure you're going to appreciate all the hot takes and wonderful things I have to say about the Ori <laughs> devs in this first article. <laughs> I, I specifically gave this to you in mind uh, because of, like, a, a particular point he made in making this. Okay, well, we'll see if I can pick up on that. I thought you gave it to me because I just finished playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps. That was not why, but I knew that you liked Ori, and so that's why I gave it to you. I do like Ori. All right, so this article is coming to us from gamesindustry.biz, and uh, it's from Marie... Oh, fuck, we even just went through trying to pronounce her last name. Uh, (laughs) Marie Delisandre. We'll call her. So uh, thank you, Marie. All right. Ori director criticizes developers for overhyping games with lies and deception. So getting into the article a little bit. Original story on February 4th, 2021. Moon Studios CEO and Ori game director Thomas Malhar 
called out other studios for misrepresenting their games ahead of launch. In a long Resetera post titled, Why Are Gamers So Eager to Trust and Even Forgive the Snake Oil Salesman, Malhar uh, particularly targeted industry veteran Peter Malinu, No Man's Sky developer Sean Murray, and Cyberpunk 2077 er, Cyberpunk 2077 studio CD Projekt Red. He accused them of lies and deception, selling features that don't exist, and by overhyping their games, making fools of players. He also criticized journalists for happily playing along each and every single time. Preemptively criticizing from readers, he added that he's not being bitter or shitting on other devs, but that he is shitting on liars and people that are okay with openly deceiving others. Okay, so did I get to the point that you were talking about yet? Because I'm a little worried now. Yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned a while ago that like you were pretty disappointed in like some of the, when you started seeing some of the stuff that Cyberpunk was supposed to be that uh, you were pretty disappointed that a lot of the stuff didn't make it. And like, right, this guy is directly bringing up those points, you know, like, you yeah, can't yeah. over promise and under deliver. So it's not so that is 100 percent true was like the more I was like, you know, Hearing about YouTubers or even other podcasters, things that Cyberpunk 2077 was supposed to be and supposed to include, it made me feel like I got cheated a little bit out of my playthrough. That is 100% true. But I also said that there's two different mindsets that you can have when you're ranking games. You can give it a ranking for what it is, or you can give it a ranking for what it was supposed to be. And if I was basing my ranking off of what the game was i stand by what i had to say you know i still think it was a good game just that you know hearing about some of the things that were supposed to be in there that were not there yeah it really was a little disappointing so i want to talk a little bit more about specifically what malhar or malhir i don't know how to pronounce his last name either what (laughs) thomas is supposed what thomas is saying here so i 100 agree that you know game developers should not be making games and making all of these promises if they do not plan on delivering on those promises right like we can all agree on that mm-hmm. of course that's fair so we all agree on that i also agree with him that i think that gaming journalists most notoriously ign is very willing to look the other way and give games like rankings that they don't necessarily always deserve can we agree on that yeah, I mean, absolutely. I like, um, <laughs> you know, what's weird is like, I feel like back in the day, you know, a five out of 10 was an average game. But now if I see an IGN gave a game a seven out of 10, I'm like, wow, this game is like absolute dog shit. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Exactly. So I, I, I completely agree with this guy on those two points. Here is where I'm going to say something kind of controversial. Okay. I uh, all right, Peaches. Just uh, hold on. I don't know if this is necessarily the guy that needs to be making those types of claims. <laughs> are you Are you okay? I I guess I don't understand what you mean. So let me explain. So, so far, if, if I get you correctly, like the guy who made Ori and the Blind Forest, that like, you know, Ori, Will of the Wisp, Ori and the Blind Forest, he's been very consistent with what he's promised and what he's delivered True. on in his games. And you so are one hundred percent correct. I, I think he is, you know, at, currently at a point where he is like allowed to speak on this. However, saying this stuff does mean that he is going to be extremely scrutinized in the future. 
Okay, so yeah, he kind of just put a target on his back. That's yes. w- that's one big problem. And like, look, anybody anybody has the right to be able to point these things out, especially like other people in the business and gamers, because we know what we want and they know like how good business practice means, like standing behind what you say you're going to do. Moon Studios has only made two games. Do you know what those two games are? Ori. Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Ori and the Blind Forest. Now, both <laughs> both of those are fantastic games. How long do you think an average playthrough of each one of those games is? Um, Ten hours. Well, I'd say and that's generous. Uh, it's like it's like twelve hours per game. Like that's that's about an average game. Exactly. And given all twelve hours of each of those games are magical. But here is all I'm saying. Moon Studio has approximately 25 hours worth of video games under their belt. And albeit they're good games, where does this guy come off like trying to criticize huge projects like No Man's Sky? Cyberpunk 2077? And I honestly don't know what Peter Malinu did, but like, isn't he, didn't he have something to do with like Skyrim? I think, wasn't he, uh, isn't he Ubisoft? Give me a second, I can look this up. Uh, let's see. He created the Fable series. Um, I know, Ooh. like, that's oh, huge. If he's, if he's, yeah, if he's the Fable guy, no, he absolutely is guilty. Because, uh, Fable I'm 3 sa- was well, such yeah. a big shit can. I'm not saying that these people aren't guilty. I'm just saying that, like, this guy is standing on a very small box right now, like, making all these accusations with the credibility of, I'm the guy who made Ori. And I'm like, that's fantastic, but... Come on, man. I I think uh, I actually I obviously I disagree, but um, I think I know you do. I know you do. He's absolutely allowed to criticize given that, you know, he has made two games. And like also uh, the thing that really appealed to me in this article is that like it it really seems like he is like he is a gamer. You know, he plays video games. Like he's not just he's not just some executive that's trying to look down and like, oh, what are those commoners down there doing hmm? on their weird you- black boxes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but like, I, he, he's yeah. just, he's upset because he plays video games and like, he gets excited about these games and these studios are just, you know, they are lying, essentially. Like, they, they know what they're doing and they're deliberately lying to people to try to sell their games. And I guess that's what happened here is like, I didn't see this as the point of view from a gamer calling them out. I saw this from the point of view of another businessman in the industry that was calling them out. And if that's the way I was looking at it, then my first question is, well, what the hell have you done? And again, Ori, fantastic game, but there's not a lot to them. But I mean, you're absolutely right. I love it when there's people in the industry that actually participate in video games because then they're like, well, what the hell would I want in a video game? You know, why is it wrong that these companies keep making these huge claims and then not living it up? Obviously, the release of Cyberpunk 2077 was a huge shit show. You know, nobody can deny that. I'm not saying that this guy is wrong about that. I was just asking, like, what is your credibility from the business perspective to be able to speak on these types of issues? But, you know, even if it wasn't great, he still has every right to talk about it. He's not wrong. I just wanted I, to bring that point up. I think that he's well, that's like, what makes opinions fun. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I still think he has plenty of credibility. I mean, you know, games aren't easy to make, you know, he, and he's made two. I'd say damn near flawless games in Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Bill of the Wisps. So, 
I feel like he's he's got standing. I, I think that this is perfectly credible. Zar, what's your take on this? You've been a little quiet. And keep in mind that Peaches has snipers on top of your house right now. Yeah, no, I, I will. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. I, I will scrutinize <laughs> every word you say, so continue. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, I, don't, I, I just don't think that that much shade is warranted. Like, I mean, I, I get being pissed about not getting certain features in games, but I don't know. I just feel like he's trying to scapegoat these game developers, trying to make it so that there's somebody to blame. And I mean, there is people to blame in these situations, but I don't know. I think it's just a little harsh, in my opinion. And here's the other thing is I think criticizing devs is not the right way to go. If you really want to blame somebody for the way Cyberpunk 2077 turned out, you blame the execs that thought it was a good idea to launch a game that's not even close to being finished because they want their goddamn money. Don't blame the devs who have been working their ass off for the last eight Uh, years trying to make this a good game. I I don't think he's blaming the devs. I think like there's a specific part. Uh, like Ori director criticizes developers for overhyping games. That's lies just, and that's deception. Just, that's just the art, <laughs> the article title, right? Like he's like, and the if you read one of the quotes, he says, "Don't just don't paint a picture that you're not going to be able to deliver." And devs aren't doing that. Yeah, just don't fucking lie to me. You're fucking over gamers. You're fucking over journalists, and you're fucking over other developers. I think he is specifically looking out for other developers. I don't know. I feel I feel the opposite. I feel like he was generalizing there by just calling out other studios, quote unquote, you know, just like not placing the true blame where it needs to be, which isn't the good people that actually love video games. And that's why they wanted to become developers, but rather sleazy business people, the ones that go on this YouTube video and basically go, we're sorry, (laughs) we're we're sorry. You know, I think that he he. he, may, he could have been clear that he's targeting, you know, like the company as a whole and not specifically developers that are crunching like a million hours a week to, you know, get these games out. But I think that, you know, it's kind of implied that, you know, it goes on the companies and like the people promoting these games. Like is specifically if you look at like No Man's Sky, right? They, yeah. they very clearly painted this picture of like this game is going to be so amazing. It's going to have all of these different features and you're right. you know you're going to be able to get endless hours of gameplay and then you know the game comes out and like there's like maybe 10 hours of game honestly I don't even I'd be surprised if there's even 10 hours of gameplay in that uh when it first released yeah that's generous <laughs> I know that he at least feels like he messed up in some regards by not being more specific, because if you look at the top of the article, uh, it says update Thomas uh, Mahler apologized for his post saying he did not choose the right tone or platform to express his <laughs> thoughts. So he's backtracking a little bit. Yeah. I mean- and I, you know what? And, and in fairness to him, I know how it goes with journalism. I'm sure some of what he said was probably taken out of context, but you know, and you know like it, it it's harsh but i think it's necessarily harsh and like hopefully you know he's he's not coming from like the biggest studio or anything like that but like it's a big enough studio where like you know, maybe it'll hit the right ears and we'll see an improvement in this in the future but that's a long yeah. shot and as a counterpoint even to myself i mean yeah so all they've done is ori but those are two indie games that have gotten onto various awards in the game awards multiple times so yeah you know is there any closing thoughts on this 
I didn't know that talking about the Ori developer would turn into such a hostile discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it wouldn't. I was like, oh, I've got a hot take that's going to spark some anger. <laughs> God damn, I can't believe so much controversy came from Ori. <laughs> a game developer that's so of Ori. heartfelt and good. It really is. It's so unbelievably good. It may only be 12 hours, but what a 12 hours. Yeah, it like... <laughs> I, just to compliment Ori a little bit, like I have never played a game where like the just the movement and the combat and like just everything felt so fluid and like just a, there's a beautiful flow of motion to the entire thing and the landscapes and the music. It's it is a incredibly crafted 12 hours of gameplay. 100 percent. I agree. All right. I think it's time to move on. All right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> So Zars got this next article and it is coming to us from rockpapershotgun.com. <laughs> <laughs> Love that name. That sounds like a shitty and rock band. <laughs> <laughs> and as a guy in a band, I'm kind of sitting here like, huh, that's not bad. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yes, this article comes to us from Rock Paper Shotgun and is written by Alice O'Connor. So thank you, Alice. And this is all hype about Mass Effect, the Legend Collection. So hopefully on this podcast, all of us, or at least two out of the three of us, are really hyped about the remastered collection. <laughs> yeah, Peaches, you really got to get on that Mass Effect train. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's great. Definitely worth playing over Octopath Traveler. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Peaches' blood is boiling right now. Peaches, are you okay? <laughs> Aneurysm! <laughs> uh, he's fine. Keep going. <laughs> all right, so all of this is really hype, but quite possibly the most hype news about this announcement is that it comes out on my birthday. May 14th, everybody. Pick up the Mass Effect collection. It's my birthday. And you all forgot his birthday last year, and he fucking noticed. <laughs> I did. So this year, all I want is Mass Effect. <laughs> you can have Mass Effect, buddy. It's all yours. Yay. All right. Personal preferences aside, there's actually some news to go along with this article. So today, we're not talking about the three base games. Nope. We're talking about the DLC for now. Notably, two specific DLCs that are missing from this legendary collection, one coming from Mass Effect 1 and the other from Mass Effect 3. So first, I guess let's briefly discuss Mass Effect 3's DLC or lack thereof. And I hate to break it to all of you shepherds out there. Mass Effect 3 in the Legends collection will not include a multiplayer. Really? They're taking away the multiplayer function? Yes. Yes, they are. You know, it was it is. It's a little sad. Zara, did you play the multiplayer in Mass Effect 3? Uh, a little bit. Honestly, uh, I'm not going to miss the multiplayer. I personally don't usually play well with others. I mean, even in Among Us, I'm the first one ejected off the <laughs> ship, even when I'm not the imposter. <laughs> So it's because you can't defend yourself. That's why. It's like, 
Apparently, I'm just mad sus. Green is sus, and you just type in the bo box like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Just because my character is poop brown and I have a wet floor <laughs> sign on my head. Oh, uh, dude, of course you're the first one out. <laughs> well. <laughs> They're just flushing the dookie. I have played a good amount of Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, and I actually kind of echo Zara's sentiments there. It's like, it's not really going to be missed too much. Like, it's watered down horde mode from Gears of uh, from Gears of War. Did you guys ever play that? Yeah, I did. Mm, yeah, a it's little. like, it, it's, it's Gears of War horde mode, but with like, just a little bit extra added to it, you know? It's nothing crazy, and it doesn't add anything really to the game other than microtransactions, so... I won't miss it. So essentially you're saying that you're not missing out on much with that feature being excluded. Not at all. No, not really. And I mean, especially with Xboxes, specifically Xboxes potential to split games down the middle into story and multiplayer. There is the potential that this that a multiplayer could be added down the road. But even if there's not no big loss, mm -hmm. but this this actually gets a little bit funny in an interview with Game Informer. And I pulled these quotes from GamesRadar.com by uh, Hope Bellingham. Project director Mac Walters said, it's just a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That, that's it? Yeah, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> He, he claimed that implementing a multiplayer requires constant attention that could potentially divert focus away from maintaining the game's quality. And I mean, that makes sense when you have to constantly monitor servers. And uh, but he also did express a very sincere apology by saying, I feel strongly that we've chosen the things that are what the majority of our fans were most passionate about. So it's true that a lot of thought went into putting in a multiplayer, but it just wasn't worth it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So that's that's on Mass Effect 3's end. Now, this this next little bit of information is a little bit bigger. Let's talk about the other absent DLC. Unfortunately, Mass Effect 1's Pinnacle Station will also not make it into the collection. So is that a big deal? That one it is and it's not. So with over 40 DLCs combined in this collection, you what? might wonder how this whoa, one did. Whoa, didn't whoa, get. back up. How many DLC? Over 40. Okay. Oh my god. Well, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, some of those are purely cosmetic DLC. It's not all That's fair. story and stuff like there is a good amount of story DLCs, but it's not all of them. Still yeah, I think each game had like six or seven different story arcs that you could do. Some of them were like a mission long and others were like three to four hours of playthrough. Yeah. Okay. And, like, and some of them did add important stuff to the story. And I'll wait till you finish to give my take on Pinnacle Station being missing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and so, well, like we said, 40 DLCs, some story, a lot of cosmetic naturally. How did this one specific DLC not get included? Well, their original source code was corrupted, which means the DLC code needed to be built from the ground up and they could not find a salvageable copy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yep. 
And I mean, the, the article goes on by saying that it would have taken at least six months for the DLC to be built from the ground up again. And I mean, it wasn't even included on the PlayStation version because it got corrupted so long ago. So because of all of this, the developers just decided to scrap the content altogether. And Walters expressed another sincere apology for that as well. All right, Peaches, so give us your take. Oh, after Zara's done. I was going to say, I have just a little bit left and a little bit of my take on the DLC that isn't included. Do it up. Go for it. So it's it's a sad but reasonable move. You know, I, I think because we get the game faster, but we don't get one DLC package that doesn't make the game not worth it. The collection still comes with a massive amount of bonus content included in the $60 price tag. And this DLC really wasn't even essential. It, it's not even that good. What happens is Shepard and friends go to a space station to play with a training simulator. Okay. And that's about it. No, <laughs> not much story happens. Training is always boring. And the only good tidbits that I'm going to miss out on in my playthrough is a space bungalow and some decent gear, which does actually suck because you can do this DLC really early on in the game to start strong. But still, not a game, not a deal breaker. All right. Well, hey, Peaches, what about you? Yeah, me and Zara are on the same page here. Um, on so, fleek. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, the, the DLC, it adds so little. Like, you know, it's ours, right? You you get a you get a little apartment you can go to to refill on like your med kits and space bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? To even get the uh, to get the what's it called to get the apartment, you have to like complete like the uh, scenario from the first contact war. Which uh, oh, do you guys want me to tell you about the first contact war? I guess. <laughs> that's like a whole hour segment in itself <laughs> oh yeah no please i didn't know i didn't know <laughs> yeah i didn't it, know it, um honestly like the dlc it, it adds very little to the story like and if you wanted to know more about the first contact war you wouldn't be learning it from pinnacle station it's you know you'd oh, be no. finding it out like through gameplay and through like codex entries you know, the 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 combat scenario you play is like just some random admiral's like experience during the first contact war that if you complete it he gives you his apartment yep it's it's no loss not having this in there i think the it would only the only time losing a dlc would be a loss is if it added something to the story and this one does not which there there is notably several DLC packages across all three games that are incredibly essential yes. to understanding Absolutely. the story. And this so, is not one of those DLCs. So then here's my question. It's like, OK, so you guys are probably ringing true with most of the Mass Effect fans out there, right? I mean, if you two who are huge Mass Effect fans believe this, surely most other Mass Effect fans believe it as well. My question then is, why was it so important for them to come out with this statement? Like, are there other people in the Mass Effect community who disagree and love Pinnacle Station? Or do you think they just made the promise that everything's going to be included here? And as it turns out, there's one thing that just simply cannot be added. Well, the thing is, um, we may be ringing true with a lot of Mass Effect fans, but the biggest key factor to a lot of the fan base to this series is that they claim that 
everything is essential. So all of this DLC, no matter how minuscule the story is, seeing that brief blip in the contact war ruins the entire immersion if you don't have it. And so the Mass Mass Effect fans are very strong-willed in that sense. So I I actually think that um, the people who are going to be upset about this, it more comes from a standpoint of they don't feel like uh, they're getting their full money's worth kind of standpoint. I don't think anybody is going to be too upset about missing, you know, some random combat scenarios. I think people are just going to be upset because, you know, you, I'm buying, if I'm going to buy this game for $60, I want everything that was originally expressed to be in there to be in there. And I think that's them coming such out a with greedy the, mindset. Well, exactly. But like, I think that this coming out with this is just kind of covering their ass, preempting it's like, hey, look, we're sorry, but we just we're sorry. We, we can't. <laughs> if you want, do you want this in May or do you want it in like October? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the standpoint they're coming from here. They had to come out with it, too, because the Mass Effect fans would have seen this day one, like the hour it launched. They would have been up in arms. Yeah. Where's my missing DLC? <laughs> exactly. So just co- you cover your ass, get, get you know, whatever. whatever I need little, my space bungalow. <laughs> whatever like <laughs> minor amount of heat they're going to take for this. I think they can handle it. And that's actually part of my final question is like, do you guys think that you do represent the opinions of most Mass Effect fans? Like, do you appreciate that they were really upfront about this? And do you think most Mass Effects are going to fans are going to be like, eh, OK, I mean, I'll live. I, I think that um, let me speak for all Mass Effect fans out there, as I always do. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm, I, I'm, I love Mass Effect. I'm getting this day one no matter what. Brilliant. What about you, Zar? Same Z's. It comes out on my birthday, so Yay, that's what I'm going to be birthday. doing all day. It's probably going to be my birthday present to you is like 20 bucks to contribute to this game. <laughs> Yay! This is a happy birthday, buddy. Yay! In, fi- in four months. <laughs> in three. four months, yeah. 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 Three. Three! Oh, shit. Oh, three! I'm almost 27! You're old! <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play with you anymore. Oh, yeah fuck you Zar alright what do you say we keep on going cause I'm excited about this last guy yeah let's go since the uh, person who made the script saved their article for last (laughs) let's let's hear it alright Peaches the floor is yours this next article comes from Fraser Brown of PC Gamer and article title is Total War Warhammer 3 is coming and it is dragging us to the realm of chaos. So after a little bit, like I think uh, Total War Warhammer 2 came out, I want to say 2018-2017. And people were pretty surprised that it's taken this long for them to even announce that Warhammer 3 is coming out. But on top of that, uh, a lot of people who are fans of the Warhammer lore, which Please don't flame me. I don't know a lot about it. I just really like the Warhammer games. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, like a lot of people are really excited that they're going to be focusing more on the realm of chaos uh, from Warhammer lore. Like, and Warhammer lore, as a lot of people know, and I just briefly know. So again, if I get anything wrong here, 
I'm sorry, right away. We're sorry. But Warhammer, <laughs> Warhammer goes from like way, way, way in the past all the way to like freaking like space marines in the future, right? So like it, it goes from like, you know, bow and arrows and swords and magic to like heavy suited marines shooting guns at weird alien things in the future. So, and goblins riding on asteroids propelled by fuel. That's <laughs> cool. And guns that shoot faster because they're painted red. <laughs> right. See, that's the side of Warhammer I'm familiar with. Yeah, and so Total War Warhammer uh, is it's more of a strategy game for those who don't know, and it's kind of like Civilization, which is part of why it appealed to me. And you know, you just you pick a race to start as, and you can either you know conquer the world uh, through military might or you can like follow a short little like a that's not really short but you can follow a quest line that these often have and it's it's a really fun game series if you're into the turn-based strategy type games and people are really looking forward to seeing you know more stuff from the realm of chaos because those guys are pretty cool in there all right all right all i want out of this game and i don't know if if you're if you're gonna get this reference but I just want to go up and give Papa Nurgle a hug. That's all he wants in his <laughs> chaos realm. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> now, I, Papa Nurgle is is the chaos god of pestilence and disease, and so he just likes to spread his love. Yeah, oh. um, he's as he far as I know, hug. he's like one of like the uh, yeah, he's a chaos god, and as far as we can tell. He's going to be the focus of like one of the demonic factions that come into play in this game. Mm-hmm. Ah, because I, I recently uh, started playing Vermintide 2, Ooh, which game. is also in the Warhammer realm. And the main focus in that game is the Chaos God Nurgle. Um, okay. Like the, the, the lore of Warhammer is so crazy to me because like in Warhammer 2, at the end of like the campaign, you got, go and like fight some crazy rat god because he's gonna like try to take over the the uh, eye of the vortex which I guess is like the center of where magic comes from or something like that it's crazy yeah. he's a giant rat god you get to send a big army in there and have a great time just decimating people super cool stuff I, I am really excited for this game and uh, on the side note it is already the best selling game on steam and it was just announced like a few days ago Wow, really? People are stoked about this game coming out. Well, that's that's the interesting thing about Warhammer as a whole in a franchise is that the generation range of people who are interested in this is crazy because this this lore originally started back as a board game in like the 1940s or 50s. It's that old? It has existed to today. Oh my god. Is this the game that has like all the miniatures and like they all are really, really expensive? Yep, yep. You paint the little figurines, you throw the dice and hope to hell for a critical. (laughs) Yeah. This is Dungeons and Dragons competitor right here. Except this game is just ruthless. The tabletop (laughs) is so unbelievably ruthless. I used to play it with Zar all the time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, like, if you want a dystopian fantasy or future society, this is it. Because if you don't have your gun polished right, you get executed on the spot. (laughs) Stupid fucking commissioner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's the commissar. 
Oh yeah, Commissar, and you need your stupid primer with you at all times. They'll shoot you if you don't have that. Which is basically your Bible. If you don't have your Bible on you, then yeah, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten killed in that game at least three times just for that reason alone. Hey, I don't want to hear it. My fat ass couldn't get out of a trench and I got executed three times in a row. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) And then I set the whole party on fire with my flamethrower. That was a fun (laughs) night. Burn. That, it's a lot of fun, but you gotta, if you're gonna play, you've gotta be prepared to get fucked. Oh. No. Well, when you put it like that. I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta imagine with over 60, 70 years of lore in the making, that this is a pretty expansive franchise. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, and one thing that I really appreciate, and I think a lot of other people really appreciate, is like if you bought DLCs, for the previous games, like the DLCs just add like races that you can play as for those that don't know. So like you can buy a DLC to play as undead pirates or buy a DLC to play as different factions inside the rat people race or different yeah. lizard men. They're called the Skaven, by the way. Yeah, I, I was just simplifying it for JP. <laughs> no, I, pre- I appreciate it. I'm a simple guy. Anytime, buddy. I winked at you, but you can't see it. I'll hold on to that forever. <laughs> but uh, uh, people really appreciate that. Like, if you bought DLC in the past, it's carrying into this game. So, like, you and uh, they even like have a separate type of campaign where, like, you can just try to conquer the whole map as whatever race you pick. If you if that's what you huh. want to do instead of doing the campaign story. Well, all right, that is a lot of fun. This is making me really want to play Vermintide. <laughs> hey, you know, I really like Vermintide. JP, Vermintide is just uh, Warhammer Left 4 Dead, if you want to try it out. That's literally what it is. You just sold me. I loved <laughs> Left 4 Dead. Super fun. Oh, we got a three-person pe- three party right here. Hell I yeah. call the Witch Hunter. <laughs> oh. Victor Saltspire. <laughs> yeah, I think I was always the knight. <laughs> you, were Mar- you were Marcus Gruber? That, yep, that's the guy. He's my homie. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on to just a quick, quick take? All right. Yeah, you got t- you got a quick take for us? Oh, well, so moving past Warhammer stuff, um, I know a lot of people are actually excited about this next next thing. There's not a lot to say about it, though. Um, NCAA football is coming back. Oh, yeah. Huh? Football games, boys? That, uh, no, you know what? That actually is a big deal because I know that NCAA was like, people loved it. It's... Bring back Warhammer Blood Bowl. <laughs> Dude, wait, you can get Blood Bowl on Steam. What are you talking about? Oh, shit, you can. Yes, come on. Oh, Blood Bowl is the best. PC gaming, boy. So how did they actually get away with making NCAA again? All right, so there were, a lot of people already know there was a lawsuit a long time ago because even though NCAA didn't use technically P- the, the college athletes' names... They just used their likeness and their number and everything else about them that was not their name. So they got, they got sued because these college players are not making money from being in a video game. And they probably should Naturally. be if they're going to have their likeness in it. So, but also, they can't be paid for this likeness exactly. and still attend college sports. So there's a, there's a big <laughs> conflict about that, but we won't get into the politics of whether college athletes should be paid because that's not what we, we talk about here. That's fair. 
Although, <laughs> no, I'm just Moving, kidding. <laughs> just, <laughs> but uh, there's not a lot of details out for All they did is they posted a little tweet and they said, NCAA football is coming back and all my sport, all my football game fans are stoked. Like, my guess as to how they're going to get away with this is they don't even use the likeness at all of anybody. I'm thinking it's going to be randomly generated rosters from the ground up and like maybe they'll just like have the stat line be like about in uh close to like what how good the school is currently at football that is dumb <laughs> that's really the only thing they can do though yes and plus uh, a little, little bit of a workaround maybe a secret i can tell you guys is uh they probably are still gonna have custom rosters that you can just download that other people make that'll have everything already in it so oh yep thank you modding community yeah. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions. If you're not going to include the college players, why even make NCAA? Because that's why people would want to play it is for the players and because some people love college football a lot more than they like NFL football. And if you answer because the NCAA has like different rules in college than they do in the NFL, why wouldn't they just put like a college rules mode in like a Madden or something? All right, so that's a two-parted question. If I don't get to both of them, let me know and I'll continue. The NCAA and Madden are uh, their their dynasty slash franchise modes play very differently, or at least they did back when NCAA 14 was a thing, right? So NCAA 14, um, you you would pick a school, and you're not even necessarily picking a school for the players. You're picking a school. Because, you, you know, you like that college and you're a fan of that college. Like, you know, and like the, the fun of it was kind of building a dynasty and recruiting like new players to come to your school and playing right. through the, like the year. And like you had you had control of some other aspects, like you could choose what conference you want to play in or like what teams you're going to play against on your schedule. And like the fun wasn't like just the football game part of it, because if that was all of it. You know, Madden would be doing really well, and you know they're not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the fun of it, <laughs> the fun of it was, it, it was a lot more fun to play Dynasty than it is to play Franchise Mode in Madden, and I think people are going to be really looking forward to that coming back in this new upcoming game. All right. I think to really make an NCAA football game immersive, as the coach, you need to have a mini game where you go and bribe all of your players, teachers, so that they pass their classes and can oh, stay on the oh, team. come on. That, that doesn't happen, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh. We I don't look, say that. You don't, you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, so... Look, I don't understand sports games at all, period. So you could spend all day trying to get NCAA through my head, and I'm not going to get it. What I do understand is that there's a lot of people who are very excited about this news. You want to want to hear a fun fact about NCAA 14? Is it actually fun? Um, is I mean, it actually fun? Just uh, guess how much NCAA 14 is worth on eBay right now. Just shoot. Just put a number. A copy of the game? Yeah, a copy of the game. 120. JP? Um, I'm going to guess what upwards of two, 200. Um, I looked this up just yesterday. Uh, first listing price for NCAA 14, $750. No Holy shit. way. No. It's insane how much people loved NCAA football. And I mean, I say that being one of the people who loved it a lot. 
Oh my god! Okay, so I guess I can just go screw myself. <laughs> this is what we get for not including esports in our game awards categories. <laughs> hey, I know a little bit about esports. Uh, we'll be able to talk about that more. Well, I, I know about League of Legends esports, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think we're good on the quick takes, and we're ready to move on to game releases. Who wants to Who wants to take those? I can take them. You got it. All right. So, like we said, it's pretty dry. We've got, um, on February 11th, we have Little Nightmares 2 coming to the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. On February 12th, we have, of course, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And then, yeah, we've got this one. On February 18th, we've got King of Seas coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Now, for our hype-up game of the week, it's got to be Super Mario 3D World. Okay, plus Bowser's Fury. It's coming out on the 12th, so by the time this launches, I don't know. I don't feel like doing math. I've still got a little bit of COVID brain. No, it'll be a few days after this episode drops. So I said it. I said it when we talked about it, and I will stand by it now. If you are a Nintendo Switch owner, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury is a must-buy. This is one of the last... if you like cats. Especially if you like cats. This is one of the last like really good games that the Wii U had that has not been ported over to the Switch yet. This is going to finish a lot of people's gaming collections in the Super Mario franchise. This game, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it that I didn't say last week. It's outstanding. Um, They're putting in a lot of great stuff with Bowser's Fury. It's going to be a really good time. I've already got my pre-order. Yeah, I'm excited to pick it up. Um, Bowser's Fury looks like it really justifies a $60 price tag for an old game. They made and that I'm, just for you, Zar. <laughs> basically, yeah. And I mean, I've never actually played this game either because I was not one of the unlucky few to own a, a Wii U. So I'm really excited to try it out for myself. And, well, uh, all right, I'm then. not getting this game, so you two have fun. <laughs> so fuck y'all. So... <laughs> I say you spend your money you were going to spend on Mass Effect on this instead. I have to go. I, I just realized that <laughs> I'm very busy. I'm very busy. No, you're not. <laughs> Too busy I for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So I think that pretty much wraps up this episode, boys. Anything you want to add before we get out of here for the day? Our segment is going to be really exciting. We got a new one in store. We do. We've got a new segment coming up on Wednesday. Uh, Peaches, you can give them a little sneak peek. What's the name of the segment? We are going to be doing Two Truths and a Live Video Game Edition, so look out for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to lie our asses off to each other. <laughs> lie to me, baby. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We will see you all in the next episode. You just got your Game Tea. Later. If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.